maybe still you had enough time to read 22 verses of the 17th chapter of Genesis. What I would like to share today, or what the Lord has put in my heart today is a simple truth, the truth about the character of God. Or simply put in another way, who our God is, or what can we expect from our God to be. This passage is about another appearance of the Lord to Abraham. In this appearance, Abraham is becomes Abraham. His name is changed. But even before that, God had appeared to him. God called him. God promised him. And uh, then later also, God speaks to him. So God had a confrontation, face-to-face -face confrontation, as if it looks like as if face-to-face -face confrontation with Abraham. And this one is a very, very crucial one. I'm not going to talk about what did God tell him, but I am just going to focus on what can we learn about God from this passage. Starting with verse 1, as we all do, you know, when I meet a uh, person, a stranger for the first time, I stretch my hand out and I say, nowadays we don't stretch our hands out, we say namaste and say, I am Paulson. And probably I may say I'm a pastor or I'm a teacher, depending on, since I wear many different hats, I decide which hat to show him. Sometimes I may say I'm a teacher, or sometimes I may, I'm a pastor, or sometimes I may say a professor, or whatever I want to say. And none of them are, all of them are true. Uh, as long as you say what is true of you, that's fine. Here God comes to him, appears to him in some visible form and tells him, look, verse, in, verse 1, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. As I already said, this is not the first appearance to Abraham and said to him, look, I am God Almighty. He identifies him by his name, but here he's using a different name. Walk before me and blameless. The first thing that we know from this passage is that God tells him who God is. Who God is decides, depends on the circumstances. In a previous chapter, when Hagar, his wife, or you can say that he's a concubine, whichever way you want to say that, when she was driven out of the house and uh, she took her young son, and was wandering in the wilderness, a parched wilderness, where there is no water. And the water that Abraham, that Ishmael's dad had sent back for them, it ran out. And in that hot Mediterranean sun, in that parched wilderness, there was no shade, there was no water. And we know the story that an angel appeared to her or she heard the voice of an angel 
And then she opened her eyes and then she saw a spring where there was water. And so saved the life of Ishmael, her son, and they are asked to return home. Now, when that happened, Hagar said, Oh, El Roy, the Lord sees. So she saw one aspect of God. And what you can see of God, the multifaceted God. God is like a huge diamond. You know, a diamond is not always a square. It is not in the form of a prism also. No, it is multifaceted. It has many, many sides. And you know one can see all the sides unless you rotate it. And if the, the, the diamond is so huge, you have to go around the diamond to examine or to explore the various sides of the diamond. God is a multifaceted God. So when we look at God, we only see one side of a God. From one side of one facet of God, from one side, from one angle. Another facet of God from another angle. For Hagar, he appeared in the sense, or Hagar understood him, the Lord, who provided water for him, or who was watching over uh, her son and herself as the Lord who watches over El Roy. In a previous chapter, there was another man. His name is Melchizedek. He was a Canaanite priest. But Canaanites worship different gods, number of gods. Everyone chose their own gods, whatever god they want to choose. But this man had a unique revelation and he was serving God the Most High early on. So he had that revelation that above all these gods that people worship, all these idols and all these divine manifestations, they claim to be there is a God who is far above all these gods. That was he. That is why he is also uh, mentioned in the book of Hebrews. That is why he finds a place in the book of Genesis, in the history of Israel. Why? Because he had, God, he had seen God or he understood God as God who is far superior, far great. But here, God comes to Abraham and introduces himself introduction of God. He says, I am God Almighty. Or some of the versions would have the original Hebrew word there. Say it's El Shaddai. Nobody knows exactly what this word El Shaddai means. One possibility is that it may be talking about the power of God. So that is why some of the translations have it as God Almighty. Now, that means, El Shaddai means God of all possibilities. It can mean, Shaddai can mean that. It can mean God who makes everything possible. It can mean God who is all sufficient. That's how God introduces himself. At the very outset of the conversation, long conversation that they are going to have in 22 verses, 
There is only one small instance where Abraham replies. Otherwise, this all the 22 verses is just a monologue. That is, God speaks and Abraham listens. But one place, I think in verse 16, Abraham raises a valid doubt. After rolling on the ground, laughing and saying, not able to believe what God said, he just asked him some simple foolish question. Otherwise, it's all God talk. God talking there. So God says, look, Abraham, Abraham, at that point, in a minute, he's going to change his name to Abraham. He says, look, Abraham, I am a God of all possibilities. Why is God talking about it? The first character that we need to know is that God is a God who can make everything possible. Why did God choose that name? Because all that God is going to tell him now is rather unbelievable, un incomprehensible, that you cannot really understand what God is going to say now. So before God explodes that bomb and uh, tells him big, 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 big things which only God can understand, God says, look, first of all, you should know who I am. I am El Shaddai, God who is sufficient. So you have to trust, you have to listen to me. In Christian life, this is the one of the basic truths. Many times we have to believe. Just simply believe. Just simply believe before anything happens that whichever hasn't happened is going to happen. You want me to repeat what I said? You know, we have to have that sort of faith that to trust in God, El Shaddai, God of all possibilities, God who is sufficient. And we have to take the leap. I am not preaching in the vanity fair. I went through a crisis, crisis in the sense in my thought life, not any physical crisis or anything. The thought was I was struggling. I felt somebody cheated me. I felt somebody deceived me and uh, I lost some money. But that was, you know, you, may, you know that, you know, the, what is your feeling? Has anyone been mugged, pickpocketed here? You know, what's the feeling? Yeah, what was your feeling when you were pickpocketed? When you felt your purse, it was not there. What was the feeling? A feeling of defeat, a feeling of, you know, self-pity, that somebody has outwitted you. You know, that's what happened. So I was going through that. So yesterday I decided to pray on that matter. <laughs> Just not only that many matters, but specifically for that matter. And I realized that God is sufficient. So first problem, first thing that God has to deal with me is to take that sense that someone did some injustice to me. That feeling has to go. Not the loss of money, not the loss of anything. But just that feeling, that nagging feeling, which makes you that you are outwitted, you are fooled by somebody. That was very painful for me. I don't know how many of you can understand what I'm trying to say, whether you have gone through that. But I felt strongly in the morning that God has answered my prayer. And I felt that God is also telling me, I am taken care of it, so forget it. Don't ever bother about it until that party calls you. That's what I felt. Not only felt, I was so sure of that, 
I went and told Sheila. This is what God told me. And whether she took it seriously or not. But I came home. I came. I was very busy yesterday. I had two meetings yesterday and it was late night also. Midnight. I went home from this church at midnight. I had a Zoom meeting. <coughs> so, then God had told me never initiate a call. Never initiate from your phone a call on this matter. I did. I decided not. But I didn't have to be have a lot of patience. Around 8 o'clock, that person called me. Around 8 o'clock, that person called me. Within 12 hours. And he told me, I have credited a significant amount of money in your bank, which I owe you. A money that I thought is lost. And all that I prayed to God was this. Please, I don't want the money. That boy is gone. But I want you to take that feeling away from me. That your servant is fool. Somebody could outwit him. Outwit him. Please take that feeling. God took that feeling. And by 12, 12 within 10 hours, I had a significant portion of the money. Not all. Significant portion of the money credited to my, which I didn't realize. I didn't get an SMS. Even now, I haven't got an SMS. I don't know what went wrong there in the bank, bank server. But he calls me and reminds me. And today morning, I check my bank balance and the money is there. It is not a lie. What, why I'm telling you this? I haven't got all my money. But something happened to me. <laughs> my faith in God has increased. I realize God is El Shaddai. God is all sufficient. So, the message is that, so you will ask the question, you haven't got all your money, then what? But I don't want all money right now. But I only want an assurance that my God is able. That I got. What else you need? So that is the character of God. To realize that God is all sufficient. God Almighty can do all that He wants at His own time, as He wills. And we have to believe that if we want God in our life. Second aspect of God I would like to highlight is God is a covenant making God. God is an all-sufficient God. God is a covenant-making God. What is a covenant? A covenant simply means a contract. A contract that all of us do. See, probably when you take a house on rent or when you sign a business deal, party A and party B enter into a contract. And they say, this is what I will do. And this is what you are supposed to do. And this is my, I'll give you my house. You have to pay the rent. And if you make a damages, you'll have to make good that damages. It's a contract. But here, this is not a contract that Abraham wanted God to make. Abraham did not, did not fast and pray and say, God, things cannot go this way. So let's do one thing. You make a contract. No, 
this contract happens at god's initiative see out of the blue god appears to him at a time when abraham never dreamt of god never thought of meeting god god appears to him and says i will make a covenant with you so it's completely purely the initiative of god abraham was not going for that abraham never expected it so the covenant making god is a god who enters into a relationship with us makes a covenant with us and commits himself to do something for us and what is the type of covenant that god makes in verse 8 he says i will make an everlasting covenant an everlasting covenant i was listening to i think a podcast or i was reading a blog about marriage now we all at the time of marriage in the early days nowadays sometimes there is no marriage oath extent of oath uh, they, that also that is another way was a modern way of doing that or they make their own oaths and all that with your way there is some commitment some covenant is made at marriage so it was eight uh, okay that's about god says i'll make a now these covenants doesn't last see for example take for example um a marriage covenant a marriage covenant will last only as long as the parties are alive or they decide to live together which way it is now if you make a covenant see we made a covenant with the builder of this property sometime back that man was 62 years old when we entered into a covenant with him we brought a deal and he sold the property to us we gave him some money and we gave him an endowment also for the maintenance and all that thing but within after 2 years or 3 years he passed away but that covenant is void now but since he had an heir somebody has inherited the property and things and so the, the the covenant has passed on to other person but the covenant we made with him is null void null and void because that part is no more see sometimes in most marriages depends on how long you stay married see the 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 person who brought the cake the bakery from where you bought the cake cake might may go out of business the pastor who married you might have died or left the ministry or at least left the church but the covenant lasted till both were alive the circumstances will change but the covenant lasts but when god makes a covenant with abraham was it a false promise he was making i am making an everlasting covenant with you no because party a who initiated the covenant is in eternal god this god he said god who is forever just as the covenant so the covenant from that side a god is an is is the eternal god and the eternal god makes an eternal covenant now there's a valid question what about b party b abraham abraham lived um, 120 years 
because he lived another 21 years after this covenant was made. If I remember, otherwise, please correct me the age of Abraham. This is what my often I'm just saying. I stand corrected. So what about that? After 120 years, when Abraham uh, dies, will the covenant become void? No. Because God made a covenant with them and said, I am making a covenant with not only you, but your children and the chair, their children. That means I am making a covenant with many generations or all the generations that you are going to have. See, verse 7, let me see, read verse 7, 17, 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. So that is why this covenant, God says, I'm making a covenant and I am going to live forever. But I'm not saying that this covenant is only valid for 21 more years. After that, you will die. No, no, no. It will last in the days of Isaac. It will last in the days of Jacob. It will last in the days of all the 12 tribes and their children. And it will remain valid as long as you fulfill your part of the covenant. I'll come to that later. So when human covenants are limited by circumstances, the life of the party, the covenant that God makes with us is for everlasting and everlasting. What I'm saying is that when God, when we have that sense that God is bound to me, God has made a relationship with me. I belong to him and he belongs to me. You can also expect that covenant to spill over to your children and your grandchildren, provided they, they fulfill what God had expected you to do. Walk blamelessly. I'm coming to that at a later moment. Third thing. God is a promise-making God. Now, in this passage, in the 22 verses, I counted, if I am wrong in my counting, please correct me. God says, I will, I will, I will, seven times. I counted seven times. I'm sure that the only uh, error I could make is leave out a I will. So that means more than seven times. But you can count at home. Don't waste, uh, don't pay attention to the sermon right now. So, seven times at least, God says, I will. It's a promise. God is promising. First, God makes into a, a relationship, and then he makes a promise to the person who is related with him, or he has entered. Remember, promise is not prediction. Promise is very different from prediction. What is prediction? Prediction is something about future that a suggestion you make considering the trend and the trajectory. Okay? If I am shooting as at one target, I need to be sure that the, the, what would be the trajectory of that, of that bullet. See, if it is too long, 
when you buy a rifle they will tell you whether it is 100 meters or 1 kilometer or whatever it is so you know the trajectory before it goes down it should hit somewhere otherwise it is no use it will fall to the ground a rocket is like that so but you if you know your trajectory you can predict something if you if you know your trajectory if you know the market trends you can make a trend line or if you know your grades you can make a trend line and you can say this is where things everything going well this is where it will take us it's a prediction prediction is something that you make a conclusion you make on available trends and the trajectory considering the trajectory a pros a promise is not a prediction promise is also not a possibility what is possibility possibility is to consider what you have and what it could be and say what it could be so for example financial markets for example you have 10 lakhs of 10 lakh of rupees and you are investing it in a fd a fixed deposit and you know that you are going to get 5% interest on it. and with a simple calculator if you know the formula of compound interest or simple interest which you might have studied in the 6th standard you see or you do not have to have it calculators do that you can think of the possibility where this money will be what amount of quantum of amount money it will be after 5 years or 6 years or 10 years so with what you have what what possibility is what you have what what you have could be in future in a certain after a certain period what you have could be but promise is not here promise is not a possibility it is more than that now when god came to him and said i will make your children multiply abraham had a particular line of thinking you know what was that he said he thought that ishmael will become a nation that's what happened ishmael was already 13 years old so abraham's first thinking first uh, abraham thought that oh wow that's great ishmael my son in hagar is going to multiply into kings and nations and all that thing that was his thinking but god was promising him god was god corrected him he said no sir i will make ishmael a nation because he is your son your seed but i will also make the child to be born who is not yet born isaac the name was not given at that moment i said he said he will become kings and nations princes will come out of him he will possess this land so what was what was a promise promise was not a possibility promise was god was promising something that he doesn't have what it could be that's an amazing thing so don't ever think of imagine divine promises as either a prediction or a possibility or a probability it is much more greater than that now abraham doesn't have a uh, abraham doesn't have a son to possess he has ishmael definitely but the promised son is not born and at this advanced age sarah is still sarah at this moment is still barren 
so there is no possibilities there is no trajectories if you had two children now according to statistics you can draw a trend line and you say within 10 years i had two children so within 20 years i will have three children in that way you can you can draw a trend line there is no trend line possible with one one data how can you draw a trend line how can you predict a trend how can you think of a possibility when you have nothing but here the situation is isaac is not born abraham and sarah are too advanced in age there is no possibility but here is a promise so what is a promise promise is not prediction promise is not probability promise is not uh, what did you say possibility but from what promise is a commitment without a commitment there cannot be any promise that is why the seven fold repetition of this phrase i will comes god enforces and reinforces one thing that is seven times he says i will i will be your god it's a commitment a promise involves a commitment but when i say uh, see when i take money from you and say 10 lakhs from you and say this could be uh, this much after 3 years but there is a small print all investments are subject to market risk isn't it that that's a right it's printed there but when god enters into a gives you a promise there are no small print everything is in big print in a readable understandable plain english plain language so god says very plainly here is the my promise and i'm committing myself to that promise i will be your god i will multiply you i will bless you and i'll give you this land so he commits himself to his promise if someone doesn't commit himself or herself to the promise he is making it is not a promise it's not a promise it's a possibility so you risk the money see people uh, uh, sometime back somebody took a money i mean for take example borrowed some money from you my life has taught me that when somebody comes and borrows money from you just give it away never expect it back if it comes back fine if it doesn't come back so i lend people money only what i am willing to risk but god is not like that so i'm not committed to that whether i get it or not but god is not that god commits himself to the promise then second thing about promise divine promise is that it's based on a relationship god's promises are based not only commitment but on a relationship we read that verse before uh verse 7 but i will read it again and i will establish my covenant between you and me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be god to you and to your offspring after you so he promises says i will stay in this relationship 
I will, I'm not going to quit you. And after 21 years from now, you will die. But I will continue this covenant if he wants with Isaac. I will continue this covenant with Esau and Jacob. I will continue this covenant because I am an everlasting God. This is going to be the, till the end of the world. And not only that, as long as God lives and God has no beginning and no end, this commitment is valid. Promises, relationship, involves relationship. Promise involves commitment. And promise goes beyond the possible. Divine promises goes beyond promises. That is, sorry, beyond possibilities. I already mentioned that, but I thought I should revisit again. Now, Abraham is just one person now. And one person becoming huge nation, many nations, not only one, many nations is absolutely unimaginable. But that is what God is promising. Whatever we think is not possible. God says God's promises can make it possible. And the rest of the Bible you read, the remaining chapters of the Bible, we see how God step by step, the book uh, realized that. The next book, that is the book of Exodus, opens the first chapter itself, the first verse itself opens, the first chapter opens, tells us how numerous were his children who came from Jacob, only one person. Not Ishmael is not counted there. The children of Esau, Adam is not counted there. And their descendants are not. Only one branch. Abraham's only one branch, a sub-branch. One branch is, two branches is Isaac and Ishmael. And from Isaac, there were two other branches. What, what are the branches? Esau and Jacob. And from that one branch, the book of Exodus says that they multiplied to so many millions of people so that their population growth frightened the Egyptian empire. Because they were so scared if these people grow at this rate. So look at that commitment that God makes. Now at that point, between, the, between this point and the point in Exodus is more than 400 years. We should also, maybe 600 years by now, if you can include all these ages added, added together. So six centuries, the covenant lasted. And even when they were devastated, even in the exile, another 500 years later, I think, no, much more than that, in the sixth century, again, they were multiplied. And the book of Isaiah talks about this, the mother Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, exclaiming, where did all my children come from? Because I never gave birth to them. No, we may talk about that later. So they, they exploded. They became a blessing. A nomad, a man who moved from one place to another, who always lived in tents, a portable tent. God says, this is not possible for a nomad to possess land and to be the ancestor of many kings and kingdoms to come. It was not possible. But God promises what is impossible. That is the beauty of God. 
a promise giving god is not telling you the possibilities not uh, predicting the trends god is not but god is deeply committed with us and his relationship with us and he gives us promises that goes beyond possibilities and also the promise giving give promises which we cannot comprehend we can't understand at that point definitely that is why abraham when he heard all these big five dreams you know he was so so, so amused i think i'm going to say don't tell me god don't joke you are telling me a joke god no he you know what did he was in 1717 was 1717 he fell on the ground and he laughed now imagine that he was rolling on the ground and laughing ha 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 god what are you talking about oh god no he could not believe was 17 says he could not believe when god appeared to him in verse 1 and said i am a god of possibilities i am a all sufficient god abraham fell to the ground and worshiped yahweh worshiped the god el shaddai you know that is what verse 1 17:1 and 2 but now after hearing this big 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 possible promises abraham could not take it abraham said you must be joking you know and he fell on the ground he rolled on the ground and you know, we have this um, the mobile text rolling rol isn't it something like that but this is the god who leads us but god demands as well it's not just a one sided god says i will give you this i'll give you that but god expects something from us in the same verse where god introduces himself that is verse one god says listen to this when abraham was 99 years old the lord appeared to abraham and said to him i am god almighty walk before me and be blameless then i will make a covenant with you you and your children the condition is not that abraham did something and this covenant and the promises that god makes is is a reward for that no not because of that that abraham did something great so god said oh you deserve some gift so here is the covenant that is not the reason god says i am making a covenant an eternal covenant and i am giving you promises promises that's my commitment not just possibilities i'm not making predictions about you i'm promising you and i'm committed to my promise there should be a commitment to the promise then what see now you you have we have uh, during election we have election forecast they say bjp will win gujarat some will say janata dal will win gujarat but none of them are committed to make them win isn't it but they also make it a sort of what you can say equivocal statements may win may not win if these things go well this they may win if that goes well they may win so we don't know what really is the picture because there is no commitment 
But here, God says, I will do all this for you. I'm going to commit myself to you, but you have to do me a favor. That favor is you will lead your life blamelessly according to God's standards. Human beings have to live. Those who are entered with the God's covenant with this promise-keeping God, covenant-making God, the demand is live blamelessly. And you should remind this covenant. So that is why the next condition is given. Not only waking, but you should remember that we have entered into a covenant. And he has given the, rule, the law regarding circumcision. Every male born in your house on the eighth day, even anyone who you bought, brought as a slave, even that male, every birth and every acquisition should remind you and your people that you are a covenant people. Now, definitely in the New Testament days, the covenant is not a covenant in the flesh, a bodily wound. It is the wound, it is the circumcision of the heart, which Jeremiah said, which also Moses said in the same, in, in the, the fifth book, Deuteronomy chapter 30. He said, in the last days, God is going to make a covenant with you, a covenant, a, a circumcision of your hearts. Jeremiah repeated it. And Paul said, what matters is Christ matters, not a circumcision in the flesh. But whichever way you take circumcision, the covenant has an outward sign. The covenant demands a transformation. Covenant demands a commitment from you that from generation to generation that you will remind yourself that there exists an everlasting covenant. There is a covenant that I am entering. Every generation should on the eighth day should enter into this covenant with God by circumcision. And it's an eternal. That is how the, the covenant perpetuates. This is how the covenant uh, goes on and on and on. So, the God, how can the God of possibilities, all sufficient God be ours? Faith and committing ourselves to a holy life. Committing ourselves to lead a life blameless before God. In chapter, in, in the book of Philippians, Paul wrote to the church in Philippi and said, in these crooked and perverse generations, you should shine like stars, blameless and innocent children of God. Two conditions, innocent children and blameless children. Blameless simply means what a life that is acceptable to God. Like a sacrificial animal. You know, people cannot bring sick animals. People cannot bring wounded animals. The animal has to be blameless, perfect. So God demands us to lead a life that is blameless before God whom God can accept as a living sacrifice, as Paul again puts it in Romans chapter 12. 1. God is sufficient. I began with my own testimony just 24 hours back. Fresh that I realized in my life 
that God is all sufficient. God speaks. God speaks. You may not hear a loud voice shouting from heaven, but God makes that impression in our heart, gives us that assurance by the Holy Spirit, and says, I am going to do it. And in a moment when he, because why God is doing that? Why is God answering our prayers? Why is God proving himself to be alive by being daily involved in our life? Because he's a God who promises. God who enters into a relationship. And he's a God who is a God of all possibilities. I conclude this today's sermon with this plea or an advice that in the times of difficulties, in the times when you look into the darkness and not see nothing else other than darkness, it's gloom all around. May God give you the grace to see the beacon of hope. Hope not of that beacon doesn't come from some possibilities. That ray of hope doesn't come from some intelligent predictions. That assurance comes from God who has entered into a covenant with us and has promised I'll be with you till the end of the world. That is the basis of our hope. That's the basis of our assurance. That is the basis on which the solid rock on which we stand. May God bless us. Praise God. Let's pray. Let's, let's pray a moment uh, silently and uh, I'll pray at the end of the service. Just take, go through the sermon one more time and ask God, God, please rub it into my heart so that it will stay with me. Remind me I can chew on it again and again, particularly when I go through darkness and gloom to believe in you and believe things I don't have to be bothered, but you are already concerned about it. Things that you are concerned. You are concerned about all aspects of our life. And because of our lack of belief, faith in you, we take some matters into our hearts and make our hearts heavy. But let's pray. God, take over everything from us. And also when you pray, pray for a sign of God's favor. And God will speak immediately. He will send a sign. That's my experience. Not only yesterday's incident I quoted now. All throughout my life, I had asked not for the full answer but just an acknowledgement from God, just saying that I have received your complaint. I have heard your cry. But I am working on the problem. Be patient. Will you just pray to that effect silently?